So with Adopt Project, uh, we work with organisations to help them find out what they need and support them with technology solutions, always with technology as an enabler, not the end solution. Uh, my name is Kat, uh, my background is in international development and progressively over the last few years I've been working in the tech space, which is where I met Annie. Yeah, so my name's Annie and my background is predominantly in uh, in the kind of commercial tech space, I guess, for 20 years or so, which makes me age. I'm going to have to try and make that sound less. Um, <laughs> but, you know, from, for many years, and I guess more recently, really wanting to kind of shift my focus onto kind of more what I would call meaningful work, which has a kind of real impact so hence the the kind of involvement with the dot project and so the purpose of these podcasts are really to we, we meet so many inspiring people through our day-to-day work um particularly a lot of women doing amazing work within technology but also um you know leading social enterprises and non-profits and also in the commercial sector as well and we just think that every time we have a conversation with someone there's always something that you learn and an interesting story and so our podcast is really around sharing those stories and understanding what motivates people and why they do what they do enjoy so this is annie and kat from the dot project um back here with our um podcast that we've been doing and welcoming today alex mecklenburg which are really excited to chat with you today um alex so thank you so much for your time and for joining us um, so really, it'd be great if you could just start by telling us um, who you are and the kind of business that you, your consultancy work that you do, um, would be great. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I've been probably in the communications business for the last 25 years. And um, um, what I always express, you know, I lived at the purgatory of innovation for the last 15 years uh, in a lot of digital agencies trying to figure out the world that um, we have today. And um, since 2018, I've now uh, co-founded a consultancy around bringing creative thinking back into organizations. It's called Truth and Spectacle. I'm an executive coach and a leadership coach working with a lot of teams, helping teams and leaders to get their head around their role as leadership in a world that is driven more and more by uncertainty and uh, ambiguity. That's great. Um, can you, I think that's really interesting. That obviously, there's a kind of the creative aspect of what you do, but there's also the kind of coaching and particularly focus on the leadership. Can you, uh, I presume, that you feel that they're kind of very connected and I guess what inspires um, either side of those kind of bits of work that you do? Absolutely. I think um, part of it is my personal passion for creativity. I grew up in a agency world. I grew up uh, at Ogilvy from a career point of view. And um, Ogilvy was probably at that time one of the companies who kept on saying everybody in the agency is creative. They called it persuasive creativity. But when you worked with a lot of companies, there was this perception of, oh, no, 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 we are not creative. The creative people are creative. Uh, And I always found that mind-boggling because I believe, I truly believe everybody is creative. And if you think about the definition of creativity, which is finding new ways of connecting existing things, I believe everybody can do that. Um, For some reason, a lot of companies have outsourced creative thinking. Um, And it is interesting that in an era of digital thinking, data thinking, technology thinking, 
this has actually become very, very, very obvious. And um, I'm starting to have a lot of conversations with organizations who have realized that they've given away the lifeblood of what this company used to do. Because what I say, anybody who starts a company is creative. That is about starting a company. So that's what fascinates me around how can we bring creative thinking back into organizations, but also into leadership teams. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because I've only really thought about it more recently myself, having kind of originally been very much down the creative route and then found myself kind of at the hard end of technology. Now, I guess, really realizing that there's a very special kind of combination when you can bring those two things together. Um, but I'd be interested to know um, kind of what made you, I guess, or what inspired you to kind of move outside of the agency context. I know you also worked in, in digital agencies for a long time to kind of set up on your own. What was the kind of real motivation around that? I think I'm just incurably curious. <laughs> uh, and I've always loved just to understand things that people said, oh, you can't understand that. Um, and I started very much as a copywriter. I then moved into account management. I did a bit of planning. And then suddenly the, the first wave of dot-coms came up. And I was like, wow, this is exciting. How, how does this work? And I started working uh, with a team of Ogilvy Interactive, which was at that time one of the largest digital agencies in, in Germany. So I think I'm driven by figuring things out and having a passion for understanding things. And on the other side, I have a real passion for observing people while they are figuring things out. And I think that has given me a experience, but also shed loads of empathy <laughs> um, when now working with teams to go, this is hard. This is difficult. Um, and one of my personal project is how can we help make what we call digital technology innovation much more inclusive help people feel comfortable and have the permission to be part of all of this and not feel alienated not feel oh my god i can't touch this because i have no idea about it so did you feel that you needed to kind of break out on your own in order to be able to do that so actually what because I see what you, you do is very pioneering as well. And you've seen that kind of real deep connection and, and through the work that you actually do, I know that you kind of have a big impact. Um, so I'm just kind of intrigued as to that kind of shift from working within an organization to actually saying, no, I need to do things this way. And this is how I'm going to um, kind of build um, success in kind of projects and working with leadership teams. I think so. Uh, I think when I was still in, in the industry, I was probably what they call an entrepreneur, as in, you know, between uh, teams and between disciplines, innovating and trying to figure out new ways of doing it. I think there came a point where I went, actually, what would it be like if I was be able to build something from scratch? Um, and I just made that jump. And at times, I think it's the best thing I have done in my life. And at times, I go, wow, I really have a lot of respect of organizations 
who are setting themselves up to constantly develop and reinvent themselves. So I think I can see both sides with a lot of love, but also with a necessary level of um, criticism and uh, ambition. And how scary was it to make that leap to go out on your own? Bloody scary. (laughs) (laughs) And... And quite honestly, I live on my own. I have a partner. He earns his own money. So rationally, the risk was low. But emotionally, I felt that I had kind of gambled away 25 years of career experience. And the financial security, potentially. That is part of that feeling, isn't it? And the financial security, and I'm very open if I say I still, when I get very nervous, I actually go back into my accounting and look at my numbers and just breathe, and <laughs> things are then working out again. So, yeah. And it sounds like there's a lot of energy that you uh, have to bring into certain situations and harness from other people and keep maintain yourself, both creative, but also that passion that you talked about and the momentum that you're bringing into the organizations and the people that you work with how do you maintain that so that it's kind of a positive energy and both for yourself and the people that you work with um that's an interesting one and if you would have asked me 20 years ago i would have probably said something fundamentally differently but one of the ways for me to maintain my energy is actually to go out and um, garden um i we have bought a an old thatch cottage uh, in the north of Cambridge, which has a massively big garden. And when I get really stuck or very nervous, I just spend my whole day digging and deadheading and moving plants and give my brain the space to do what it does without being constantly observed by my subconscious. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'd be interested to know, because I think that's um, a kind of really interesting insight as well, but I was wondering if you could kind of share with us a name of um, somebody, it might be a, another woman or somebody, either family or friend or somebody that you may have even met recently that you really admire and why. And I ask that because often, um, particularly for, for, those, for those people that are kind of really driving forward and have really got a lot of ambition and want to kind of make a lot of change, you know, it kind of is often seeded somewhere and I would say most of the time it's seeded through somebody that they've met um, or it's been part of their upbringing. Who would that be for you? There's probably quite a lot of amazing women that I have met in my life. I feel very lucky. Um, My my mom is outstanding. Um, She's always been a curious spirit. She's battled some really big crisis in her life and she's one of the most active and happiest and smartest women that I know. Um, When I went into advertising, I was really lucky to have a fantastic mentor, uh, Nellie Anderson. She's now actually part of the board of Ogilvy Worldwide and she always was a a kind of um, guiding star I think she would hate that analogy for me to see what is possible to see that you can lead with integrity that you can lead um, with empathy uh, without losing guidance um, critical thinking and focus on delivery 
So those two women are probably very strong influences in my personal life. Yeah, and I would have said your example there of your mentor is probably really, really key because I think even if we take it to ourselves, Kat and I talk about this quite a lot, but, you know, having the confidence to lead on, you know, using those kind of words around empathy and integrity and curiosity and having the confidence to lead under those kind of values, I suppose, can sometimes feel a little bit, um, a little bit ethereal, I suppose. Um, and I think for you, obviously, having that kind of mental say really early on that that's actually what's going to drive the impact that you can have has probably been really pivotal. I think so. And I think for me, because both my mom and Nellie are pretty much incredibly impactful women, I never really thought emotionally that there was a disconnect between empathy, curiosity and impact. I only realized afterwards that there is a lot of people who might not see it that way. So I think I was probably quite blissfully ignorant by the fact that there is leadership teams where, where people would go, well, that doesn't work together. Surely you can't do one thing with the other. And how important yeah. would you say in today's world that aspect of mentorship is? Last time we saw you, you mentioned, you know, the kind of importance of authentic mentorship. Um, do you think that's as important today as the experience that you have? I have, and, and the people who work with me know that I look at mentorship also at times a little critical. I've been working in mentorship programs for quite a long time and I've seen mentors who had a little bit of a kind of pushy mom or pushy dad syndrome. So mentors who try to recreate their second career in the eyes of their mentees. Um, that's why I really believe in responsible mentorship. Um, the other thing is mentorship is wonderful, but really what we need is sponsorship. And the, the, the difference between mentorship and sponsorship, as I always understood it, was that mentoring is helping people develop, but sponsoring is actually giving them opportunity to then bring that to life, whether that is offering them a job, whether that is connecting them with potential clients, whether that is helping them recruit. So I do think that I prefer the word sponsorship over mentorship. Uh, I feel there is more accountability uh, in it. Yeah, definitely. I think particularly um, we obviously work a lot in kind of, well, I would say the sort of movement building, but also projects around kind of women and kind of diversity and technology. And quite often people have their mentors, but actually they're still kind of stuck and still find it difficult to either transition into or back into um, the sort of technology and kind of working environment so um, I think that's really interesting that kind of move to sponsorship from kind of mentorship um, I know we talked a little bit prior to this kind of call and we have over a while but it would be great to kind of um, use opportunity for you just to explain one of the, the kind of hot topics that we often discuss which is I guess the uh, the kind of difference between the use of the, the terminology around digital and technology and I know that that's kind of a lot of the work that you do that is in the kind of um, digital and technology space in terms of the coaching and um, some of the advisory work that you do so I would love for you just to kind of share with us your your view on the word digital <laughs> well uh, I mean 
you know that I don't really know what digital means and I'm very <laughs> open to admit that. Um, I have, however, accepted that language is a wonderful thing and that it seems that we've created a shared language that people feel somehow using the word digital in context with digital world, digital society. It means something like the world we live now, the world that is the 21st century. Um, I personally prefer talking about technology. If we talk about technology, and I prefer talking about people when we talk about people. And hence, I'm struggling with that very traditional definition of digital being people and technology. I think it doesn't necessarily help us. So absolutely fine for people to use technology, uh, to do use digital in terms of just signposting something. In my conversations with people, we move away very quickly from the word digital and we start start talking about the challenges that organizations have working and operating in the world that we have now, um, understanding what it is that they're actually doing, what it is that their users are looking for them to do better, and then potentially starting to look at, so how can we get to that reiteration in a better space? And yes, technology might be one of the ways to get them there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so obviously though the work that you do with organizations and part of your coaching is very much a kind of ongoing uh, relationship and kind of guidance I guess so in terms of thinking into the future and uh, both with the kind of idea of actually the way that we think about digital um, what would what would you like to see happen and what would be your part in that what role are you going to play in this and sort of if you think five years time and the change that you'd like to see around it <laughs> I always said that I, I'd like us to not talk about digital anymore um, I'm a, a big fan of leadership teams helping their organizations in what I call digital myth busting um, I really don't like that traditional digital language of uh, innovate or die I think actually that isn't necessarily true, but that's a different conversation. I think the speech uh, trap that people talk about, only the fast will survive. This idea of you're only successful if you constantly fail. Um, I wish that we would find a language that is much more inclusive, that actually acknowledges that Innovation means making things better, and that is something fundamentally human. Humans are here to make things better, and we're doing that in lots of little actions every day. And giving people permission to do that on a larger scale by using inclusive language, by giving them inclusive projects, would really be a place that I'd be very, very happy to operate in. Did that answer your question? Yeah, it does, and I... I think that is very much a part of, I guess, the organizations and the um, conversations that you're a part of, I suppose, because really that's about um, advocating, isn't it, and changing mindsets around some of this language. I love that digital myth-busting. I think that there's a lot of blog content that you could be writing. Um, for the next there's five a blog years content. <laughs> Absolutely. The other favorite of mine that I actually, I have to say, sneak from somebody else is the digital snake oil sellers. Um, and, I, you know, and I think um, it's just 
being real about things, um, realizing it is the world we live in, realizing that we are not really talking about anything digital. We are talking about making sense and living the best life that we can live. And that is a pretty exciting area to play in. I can't really add anything to that. I think that's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful place to stop there. And I just want to yeah, thank you from both of us, really, for your for your time. And we're always um, just really intrigued to kind of hear your kind of views, I guess. And also this digital myth busting, I think, is something that really needs to happen. We see it a lot, particularly in the kind of third sector kind of clients. And, and often it's very off-putting to even, they won't even have a conversation if you're using the word digital. Um, tech so you know there's, there's a lot of work to be done so thank you very much for your time it's been fabulous to talk to you thank you very much and have a fantastic day yeah thank you, See you. Bye. bye this is Annie and Katz reflecting on our conversation um, with Alex, which I think was particularly interesting when we're looking at sort of authentic leadership and women in sort of more what we would define as technology or digital roles, because obviously Alex comes from a um, initially quite a creative background and has a real personal passion for creativity, um, but has seen, a, I guess, a place that sits nicely within creative and, and technology. And yeah. so... Obviously, you were doing quite a bit more observation and listening around that conversation. So um wanted yeah. to get your thoughts initially. I think um the idea that curiosity and creativity are quite powerful when they operate together is really key. Um, and also because I think it's very easy to lose both, uh, especially when you're working in a job that doesn't really fulfil your passions. Um, and I think Alex's examples of organizations who maybe feel that they've lost that creative spark is often because it's not harnessed within their culture um so i think where she's coming from from that perspective is is very interesting and something to take account of i suppose when looking at the culture of an organization how how creative can you be because you don't have to be labeled as a creative to be creative um and i think people often misinterpret that i think the other aspect that's obviously very interesting in terms of Alex's perspective, is the empathy piece. And in particular, I wanted to highlight um, what she spoke about in terms of the importance of talking about things that are difficult and hard. Yeah. Because often we see empathy, I think, of, of trying to create a positive experience, but actually it's as much about talking about the reality of a situation and empathising that we know that this is hard, and particularly in the technology space, there's a lot that's never been done before. So appreciating that it's hard and that it might be scary, um, but actually if you work together, you can progress. I think it's quite an interesting perspective. And I guess part of that as well is this increasing need to to have empathy and to be able to observe yeah, and to observe people. So a bit like we've had in some of our other conversations, it's really, I think, not... I mean, it is more so now, but I think it hasn't ever been talked about enough, the role of, of the human and the person. It's all just been about the actual hard tech itself, Yeah. where actually it will fail if 
people can't use something or can't interact with something. So trying to get quite deeply into understanding how people might be different and different from you mm. and your own experience and your own... Which can only be done through observation and taking the time to do that. Yeah, exactly. And I think when you see the conversations evolving in, in the more progressive technology spaces like AI um, and virtual reality, people keep coming back to the idea that actually creativity is going to be one of the most important skills yeah. for people to have um, because actually technology is only ever as powerful as the humans who create it so that that idea of really harnessing and inspiring your own creativity and the creativity of others I think is quite powerful for the future yeah and I guess that speaks to a conversation we were having a while back with um, Sonia and actually she talked about her her daughter who's been into very kind of creative roles and has actually through understanding what she's trying to achieve I guess is as she once she leaves school and then now becoming much more interested in maths as seeing it as as actually a way of structuring um, information and yeah. being able to make sense of things and I think it's exciting that actually we can be at a point now where we can encourage more and more creativity in, in technology and more creative people yeah particularly as the way the way in which the workplace has evolved uh-huh. and the way that we're becoming a lot more accepting of the fact that people work in a different way, that having kind of diverse thinking is extremely powerful um, and that actually just in really encouraging that kind of different ways and that kind of different thoughts is, is but it's hard, like it's hard to manage, yeah. but it's really important to get the very best out of people. Yeah, yeah and I think going back um, again to kind of linking Sonia to, to Alex's insights as well, the idea of being authentic is really central. Um, I really was interested in what she was saying about the role of a mentor um, and how important that can be as for an individual, but also that it needs to be authentic, both mentoring and, and actually the power of authentic leadership within an organisation. Um, really understanding for you as a person what kind of support you might need and where actually you might get distracted by... A mentor who maybe isn't quite the right fit for you yeah. uh, and I think more and more in a in the creative space especially but with the future of technology and how it might evolve potentially we're living in a world where security as we once knew it in terms of job security and, and the workplace looks quite different so actually having people that you can aspire to who can guide you but not necessarily instruct you as to where yeah, to go yeah. is quite key. And Alex used the sort of language around leading with integrity and leading with empathy and that that's what she admired most in her two key role models, which was her mother and um, obviously one of her um, managers in a, in a previous role. And I think that really speaks to the difference that it can make to somebody Yeah. Um, when actually you are inspired by authenticity. Yeah, and I think that really goes back to some of the early discussions that we had um, with Regina, um, but also actually coming out of a weekend spent with my own granddad. Um, actually, when we talk to people about who inspires them, more often than not, one of the people that they mention is a family member. And I think sometimes when we're busy and when we're trying to kind of balance all of our responsibilities, it's often that time with people who inspire us within our family that we tend to neglect. Whereas it, what's so interesting, I think, from out of our podcast series is that 
actually what people mention time and time again is how important their family network is and so actually we talk about it a lot in terms of how do you balance all the responsibilities that you have and and everything really has equal importance but the value of that family connection is, is so strong yeah hugely and I think that's was interesting because I'm just trying to think back to actually I think all the people that we've had more deeper conversations with are have experienced either driving their own destiny um, or else in the case of Alex, she talked about moving around a lot to find your place. And again, we can do that now. Like it's, it's totally possible to do that. But actually you do need to fill your, your life or your, your kind of your career, I guess, with being open minded. And that involves actually having quite a few different experiences in some cases, that involves personally taking yourself off on a yacht or to somewhere yeah. remote, but actually it could just mean that you're open to different organisations, experiencing different hierarchies, different cultures, and understanding where you can be your very best and therefore the impact that you can have in your role. I just wanted to ask you, before, as we wrap up as well, obviously we had a quite a detailed conversation with Alex around using the word digital and that the digital world is our world. It just is the world that we live in. Yeah. Um, did you have any sort of closing thoughts around that? Yeah, we struggle a lot, don't we, between yeah. digital technology or digital tech? Yeah, I, I, I have been thinking about this a lot, increasingly so, and I think it's representative of almost a movement that we live in at the moment, where there is no other concept that quite accurately represents what digital and technology is, but I think there will be soon. And so almost there is a group of people, let's say, and Alex, I would term in this group, who is ahead of the curve in thinking about what does the future world look like? Um, And potentially the concept of digital becomes something quite different because I do find the word digital quite isolating and it means something different for some people who are very technical, they will interpret that to be a very technical term. Whereas for people that kind of, are only just getting to grips with a new iPad or a new phone, it's something quite scary that they can't really engage with. And maybe they know a world where digital didn't feature at all. Um, so I think over the next few years, uh, I would expect to see an evolving school of thought around how we actually talk about digital. And I think it feeds into what we're increasingly interested in around the idea of responsible technology. And with that comes, how do we talk about this space in a way that's inclusive yeah because so far it's been quite exclusive and that's leading to a greater divide yeah and not having enough of the broad set of skills and diversity that we need within the sort of technology sector exactly so it's conversations to carry on having exactly let's see where we are in a year's time (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh that's annie and kat thank you